Okay, so this is a new year. I love the fresh start of a new year. And I was reminded of this actually dealing with my phone and my watch at the end of last year. I had a situation where my phone kept saying that my watch needed to be updated, and every time it would try to update it, it would say that it couldn't update it, but it needed to be updated, and so I really needed to update it, and so when I tried to update it, it wouldn't update, and then it would complain that it needed to be updated. You get the picture of what I'm talking about. So I did the thing where I contacted Apple. They sent me down to the Apple store, which is like a 35, 40-minute drive for me, and then waited and dealt with it, and they said, yep, you're right, it doesn't work. <laughs> Thank you, I appreciate that. Uh, so they sent me home and said that they would probably, uh, that they would send something, I would send the watch back, and they would see if they could figure it out. And we knew it was a software, I knew it was a software issue. But part of the diagnostic process while I was at this Apple store was they had me wipe my phone, which was pretty much the only thing that I hadn't tried yet, and I was willing to do that. So they asked me, do you have a backup? No, I don't have a backup. But, but I don't care because what I like to do very often with my devices is every once in a while, I just like to wipe it clean. And I don't mind doing that because all the contacts, everything is stored up in the cloud, so I don't have to worry about that. All the apps that I need, I know because they're in the list, I can download them again. And I, I actually started doing this when I was on Windows computers. Every once in a while, you just need to have a fresh start. Just put it back to a factory reset, kind of cleans out the cobwebs and gets things uh, clean and clear again. So when they said, we want to wipe your phone. I didn't care at all. I was actually glad to do it because it would be a fresh start. It didn't work, but if, uh, but they did send it away. They did something. I think I, they may have sent me actually a new watch. I haven't actually checked the serial numbers yet, but my watch is communicating to the phone. The phone is not complaining that my watch needs to be updated again, and that is good. Now, I thought of that situation, that clean slate, that clean wiping the slate clean, starting from scratch, getting the cobwebs cleaned out when I was preparing for what we were going to talk about this year. And let me tie that with another experience I had towards the end of the year. I like to listen to podcasts, uh, not just Christian podcasts, but uh, other kinds of podcasts. And one of my favorites lately has been one called The Rest is History. It's a couple of British guys, and they talk about all kinds of history topics. And uh, so they, at Christmas time, did two podcasts on Jesus because it was Christmas. And uh, they are coming at it from a historian's perspective, not from a believer's perspective or a church perspective. But I have to tell you, it was one of the most encouraging things to my faith that I've experienced recently. Because it was, it was so neat to hear them kind of talk about Jesus. And the reason it ties in with that fresh start, my phone, the new year, and all that is I recognized as I was listening to them that they were 
um, describing what it was like to almost encounter Jesus from the, for the first time, to look at him from a historian's perspective, not from a church perspective, not from a faith perspective. And it just made me appreciate with freshness the uniqueness, the incredible teaching, the incredible life of Jesus. Because there were two aspects that kind of stood out to me. Number one, they were saying, yes, most, most historians, whether they're believers or not, accept the fact that Jesus lived, that he was a real person. And they said, it doesn't even make sense to think that somebody could make him up. I mean, think of the task if someone were to say to you, we want you to make up, get, get together in a room with 12 other people and make up a person who is, whose teaching and life is so amazing that people will think that he is God in the flesh and 2,000 years from now, people will be worshiping him as God, memorizing his words and and worshiping him 2,000 years from now. Now, that is an assignment that I would not jump to take, right? Uh, but Jesus, I mean, the, the most natural thing to think they were saying is that there was this person named Jesus and that he did teach in this amazing way and do these amazing things. The second aspect was when they started dealing with the resurrection. Now, they're trying to ap approach it from a very neutral standpoint. But one of, the, one of the guys said something along the lines of this. It's clear that the disciples were dealing with something that they were struggling to explain. There's not an easy, straightforward explanation. And there are people that have said, oh, it was mass... Mass delusion, mass hypnosis, they made it all up. None of these theories will stand up because the, it, it just doesn't, people will die for something that they believe to be true, but they will not die for something that they know to be false. And all of the disciples were in a position to know whether or not it was a lie or not that they were promoting. And most of them went to a martyr's death, proclaiming that Jesus rose from the dead. So it just reminded me that we serve an incredible God, that Jesus is unique in history, and there are reasons why for thousands of years people have worshipped him as God and believe that he is fully human, fully God, that he is the Son of God. And as I approached this year, I was thinking about, I really want, not just for myself, but for, for you guys, the people that I have the responsibility and privilege of shepherding, to experience a freshness in the way that you look at Jesus and follow Jesus. Because it's very simple, it's very easy for us to just slide into kind of a normal routine when it comes to following Jesus. It's something that we're so familiar with, that we're so accustomed to, especially for those of you like me who have been in church for a long time and following Jesus for a long time. And it just reminded me as these historians were looking at the life of Jesus 
that we serve an amazing God and that it should fill us with awe and wonder when we open our Bibles, when we sing his praises, when we gather together with his people. And so that's what I hope for us as a church we will experience. Now, um, excuse me. The other thing that happened over the last couple of days is I ran across, I got an email from Bible Project where they have a new reading plan. And I shared it with you. If you're on our email list, you would have received that in the last couple of days. And uh, it was really neat because it's working through all those things, but it's also pairing the readings with the videos that they put out and some blog posts and things like that to kind of add resources to that. So I've been working through that. And I found, I I encountered something that I had never noticed, that had never been pointed out to me before, and it just uh, was one of those fresh things, one of those new things, kind of looking at the scriptures from a fresh perspective that I wanted to be able to share with you today. So that's what we're going to be talking about. Um, I have mentioned earlier in the service, but some people will be listening to this, just the message only, so I'm going to remind you to check out uh, the app and check in so that we know that you're watching and connecting. And this message is called Reboot, because I want to, like my phone, like I was talking about, just look at this, look at Jesus, look at this experience, look at our faith from a fresh perspective. And it begins in Genesis. That's where I was reading, and that's where I noticed something that I haven't seen before. And today we're talking about structure, because uh, what we'll see in the book of Genesis and the creation account is uh, God adding structure. And here's what we're going to say, that God forms and fills our lives with good things. As you are facing this year, you may have a good idea of some of the things that you want to accomplish some of the things that maybe you feel like God has called you to, some of the things that you would like to see happen. Maybe for others of you, you're you're still trying to figure that out. There's a lot of question marks for this year ahead. What we'll see in the creation account is that it's God who forms and fills our lives with good things. So I'm going to challenge you to surrender the structure of your life to Jesus. Let's read it together. Joy, you can come on up. Joy, my daughter, is going to uh, help me read this passage. We, were, we are going to alternate. Uh, she's going to take the odd days of creation. And we're going to work together on this. So we haven't practiced this, but I think we'll be okay. You ready? Yeah. All right. Get friendly with the mic there. Okay. Uh, all right, so I'll start, and then you begin with day one. All ready? All right. All right. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep waters. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Then God said, Let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good. Then he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day and the darkness night. And everything passed, and morning came, marking the first day. Then God said, let there be a space between the waters to separate the waters of the heavens from the waters of the earth. And that is what happened. 
God made this space to separate the waters of the earth from the waters of the heavens. God called the space sky. And evening passed and morning came, marking the second day. Then God said, let the waters beneath the sky flow together into one place so dry ground may appear. And that is what happened. God called the dry ground land and the waters seas. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, let the land sprout with vegetation, every sort of seed-bearing plant and trees that grow seed-bearing fruit. These seeds will then produce the kinds of plants and trees from which they came. And that is what happened. The seed produced, the land produced vegetation, all sorts of seed-bearing plants and trees with seed-bearing fruit. Their seeds produced plants and trees of the same kind, and God saw that it was good. And evening passed, and morning came, marking the third day. Verse 14. Then God said, Let lights appear in the sky to separate the day from the night. Let them be signs to mark the seasons, days, and years. Let these lights in the sky shine down on earth. And that is what happened. God made two great lights, the larger one to govern the day and the smaller one to govern the night. He also made the stars. God set these lights in the sky to light the earth, to govern the day and night, and to separate the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. And evening passed and morning came, marking the fourth day. Then God said, let the waters swarm with fish and other life. Let the skies be filled with birds of every kind. So God created great sea creatures and every living thing that scurries and swarms in the water and every sort of bird, each producing offspring of the same kind. And God saw that it was good. Then God blessed them, saying, be fruitful and multiply. Let the fish fill the seas and let the birds multiply on the earth. And evening passed and morning came, marking the fifth day. Then God said, let the earth produce every sort of animal, each producing offspring of the same kind. Livestock, small animals that scurry along the ground, and wild animals, and that is what happened. God made all sorts of wild animals, livestock, and small animals, each able to produce offspring of the same kind. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. They will reign over the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals of the earth, and the small animals that scurry along the ground. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and govern it. Reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the ground. Then God said, Look, I have given you every seed-bearing plant throughout the earth and all the fruit trees for your food. And I have given every green plant as food for all the wild animals and the birds in the sky and the small animals that scurry along the ground, everything that has life. And that is what happened. Then God looked over all he had made, and he saw that it was very good. And evening passed, and morning came, Marking the sixth day. You can take that. So the creation of the heavens and the earth and everything in them was completed. On the seventh day, God had finished his work of creation, so he rested from all his work. And God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy because it was the day when he rested from all his work of creation. This is the account of the creation of the heavens and the earth. All right, very good. Thank you.
pray together. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the revelation that we have in your word that you show us uh, what you are like, what you have done, and what your plan is for us. Lord, I pray that you would speak to us through your word today. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, that's a very familiar passage, and there we go. Uh, and so, there was nothing new in that uh, for many of you. You've read that before. You're very familiar with it, the days of creation and all that. But I want you to, there are a couple of things that I bet you have not noticed before, and were certainly new to me. So, at the beginning, let's look at this first phrase. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, one of the things, you need something? Okay. One of the things that you may have um, in mind is, is our worldview of the heavens and the earth. We think of space. We think of the globe of earth. But one of the things that will be helpful is to recognize that this is a summary statement, that the, these first couple of verses are actually telling you what's coming. They're summarizing what's coming. Another thing that will help you as you read the scriptures is to recognize that very often they're not coming from the same perspective that we are. They don't have that same view. They didn't have satellites uh, or, uh, orbiting the earth. They were just sitting on earth and observing, observing what they saw. And so very often in the scriptures, and again, this will be super helpful if you recognize this, they're describing phenomenologically what is happening. When we say that the sun rises... We are not saying that the earth is stationary and that the sun is moving across the sky. We recognize that the, the earth is rotating and that's what causes us to observe, thank you very much, the sun rising. But nobody, nobody says, hey, what are you, stupid? The sun doesn't rise, the earth spins. But, uh, but we're describing it phenomenologically. And that's what happens very often in the scriptures as well. They're just describing it. So another way of translating this, because it's the same words, and if you're taking notes, you can write this in there, is in the beginning, God created the skies and the land. The skies and the land. The same word for the heavens and the earth is the same word that is translated in other places, the skies and the land. So what is it saying there? You're sitting here on earth. There's stuff beneath you. There's stuff above you. God created it all. The skies, the, the land, everything that you see, everything that you observe, God created it. So it's a summary statement of what's coming. Now, uh, the, the other thing that you'll see here is that it's describing what was like before God put his hands to work. A couple of things in verse 2. The earth was formless and empty, formless and empty. <clears throat> and this is one of the things that I didn't notice before. It's, uh, it's saying there was no structure to what was going on and there was nothing. It was a void. There was nothing to fill what was going on. And so what we see in the act of creation is this, that God is going to take that formlessness and give it form and structure, and he's going to take that emptiness and he's going to fill it with good 
things. This is his act of creation, and it's the same thing that he does, that he did at creation, and that he does with our lives as well. He forms and he fills our lives with good things. A couple other observations from verse 2. It says that darkness covered the deep waters. So there are two things, two things to describe this formless void. It's not nothingness, nothingness. It's like there was this murky soup of nothingness. That there was complete, there was nothing but darkness. And there was also this abyss of deep waters. Uh, I've shared before, some of you might remember this, whenever I think of that and think of, again, just phenomenologically observing what they see, all they know is there's stuff below me, there's stuff above me, and if I keep walking in one direction long enough, I'm eventually going to get to water right? And the water was a very scary place. They didn't have submarines that could go down to the depth of the Titanic to know exactly what was going on down there. They just knew that if you fell in the water and you couldn't swim, we weren't going to see you again, right? Uh, there, was no, there was no coming back from that. And when I was growing up, we went swimming in an old abandoned quarry in Ohio. It was one of the scariest things that I've ever experienced because it was nothing but a hole in the ground that went down, I don't know how deep, a couple of hundred feet probably, and there wasn't any stepping into it. There wasn't any just kind of easing into it. It's like when you stepped in it, it was all the way down. If, you, if I didn't come back up, they were never finding me, right? And I did not appreciate that. I did not enjoy it. I did not relax. I did not want to swim in that quarry. That was scary because I knew if I went down, they were never going to find me. That's the sense of dread and unknown, the sense of the unknown and the sense of fear that the abyss of the waters created for people in this setting. And so you've got nothing but darkness and you've got nothing but these scary, formless waters. But yet in the midst of that, third part of the verse, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Even in this darkness, even in this chaotic, watery abyss, God was present. And that's a hint that it's, things are going to change. Because what does God do? God forms and fills our lives with good things. Now, in the reading plan that I sent you, in the reading plan that you will see a link to, in today's growth guide. There is a video that describes creation from the Bible Project. I'm going to show you a couple of um, screenshots from it, but this was really cool. This is something that I just learned recently as well. So you have this formless void, and what God is going to do is give form to what is formless, mm -hmm. and he's going to fill the void. And the order of creation, the days of creation, are aligned in parallel. The first three days, what God does is he gives form to a formless creation. And then in the second three days, he takes those spaces, those structures that he has created, and he fills them with good things. This is what he does in creation. So the first day of creation, he, he says, let there be light. And he separates the light 
from the darkness. There was nothing but darkness before, but now there is light and darkness. And it says, and there was evening and there was morning the first day. Then in the second day, it says he takes this watery abyss. There's nothing but, but, but chaotic waters, scary, dangerous waters, and he creates a space. He separates them. And so, again, phenomenologically speaking, if you were just, uh, you didn't know what was going on, you would look up and you would say, oh, it's like there's a dome. And there's probably water up there because uh, we see wa it's blue, like water. And, and uh, so maybe that's what's going on. He says, so we create, God created the space. He separated the waters. There's waters above. There's, there are waters below. You see the clouds. So he has that space. And then there is uh, day three, and he causes the dry land to appear. So in this space that he's created, he causes the earth, the land, Eretz, to arise. And then there's a bonus on the third day because out of the land springs all of this vegetation. So in the first three days of creation, what God has done is he's taking this formless void and he's given it some structure. And then in the second three days, he fills it with good things. In day four, he takes that void, that, that structure of the light and the dark, and he fills them with the heavenly bodies. Now, you'll notice it doesn't say sun and it doesn't say moon. Do you know why? Because the sun and the moon were, the were considered gods. And so what the author is doing is saying, yes, there are people that worship the sun, they worship the moon, but, but they're not gods, they're just created things by God. There's a greater light and a lesser light. That's how it's referred to because sun and moon were the names of gods. And they say, no, that, those aren't gods. They were created by God. And God fills the darkness and the light with these good things. And then in day five, he takes this space that he has created, the watery space and the space above, and he fills them with good things, with the creatures. That's how they're organized. It's like, okay, there's land that we stand on, there's space above us, and God filled the land with creatures, and he filled the space above us with creatures, the land creatures and the, bird, and the birds. The seas are filled with creatures, and then uh, I was getting a little bit confused there. I'm actually shifting into day six. Day six is the land creatures, but just like there was a bonus on day three, the land plus the vegetation, there's a bonus on day six as well. There are the land creatures plus the people that were created in God's image. So structure, and then he fills it with good things. Then it says in the summary statement in verse 31, then God looked over all he had made and he saw that it was very good. This is the work of God in creation. He forms and fills life with good things. Then there's the seventh day. Seventh day, interesting part about that that the video points out, is there's, there's not that repeat of, and there was evening and there was morning the seventh day. Because the seventh day is the goal of creation. It's that this is the ongoing state of things that God has created this space 
He's filled it with good things. He has placed humanity in the center of it as his image bearers to rule and reign over it and to share in partnership and in fellowship with him in an ongoing way. Now, of course, we know what happens in chapter 3, and all of this is broken, and all of this is marred by sin. Creation is marred by humanity's sin. But then there is new creation in the gospel. So what does God do? He takes this broken world and he begins to form it and fill it, beginning with the people who are broken. So how does he talk about this? In 2 Corinthians 5.17, the apostle Paul writing to the church at Corinth says, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. He's, He's forming and filling us with new things. Old has passed away and new has come. Is it? There we go. I think that I think it was my I think it was my beard. I just moved it out of my beard. Thank you. <laughs> um, so, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. What is he doing? He is forming and filling us. When you become a follower of Jesus, you have God's Holy Spirit. The way the Apostle Paul talked about it in Galatians was like this. He says I, uh, to the church at Galatia, I, I want to see Christ formed in you. What is he doing? He's taking the character of Christ and he's forming us into Christ-likeness. Notice this verse, another familiar verse, John 10.10. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. What, uh, what's going on here? It's, it's like a, the opposite of creation, right? It's rather than filling, it's taking away. Rather than providing life, it's killing. Rather than giving order it's t- and building up, it's tearing down. But what Jesus says is, I have come that they might have life and have it to the full because even now what God does with us is he forms and fills our lives with good things so practically speaking what does this mean there might be a lot of uncertainty about the form and shape that your life is going to take in the next days in the next year whatever but when you surrender your life to Jesus What you're doing is turning the form of your life over to him and letting him shape it, letting him write the ending to your story. And he is going to fill it with good things. Part of of, um, my practice from time to time is to just uh, think about holding everything that I have, all the good things, all the things that God has placed in my life in open hands. Because I want him to be able to have the freedom to take things out when he wants to and to place things into my hands when he wants to. Because I trust that he is a God who forms my life and fills it with good things. In Ephesians 2.10 it says this, For we are his workmanship, we are his craftsmanship, we are his handiwork. The God who created all things is 
recreating us and creating us anew. We are created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared ahead of time for us to do. What's he saying? He's saying when you belong to Jesus, then he is going to form your life and he's going to fill it with good things that every day that you get up, there are good works that he has prepared for you to walk in. He wants to fill your life with those things. And when we surrender to him, then we give him the ability, the freedom in our lives to lead us, to guide us, to take things out that don't belong, to put things in that he wants to bless us with. Now, next week, I'm going to talk about three specific aspects where God forms and fills our lives, where sometimes we encounter chaos and confusion, and God wants to put structure and blessing in your lives. Our schedule, our sexuality, and our finances. And that's what we'll talk about next week. We've been talking about structure. We say that God forms and fills our lives with good things. And so my challenge to you today is to surrender the structure of your life to Jesus. In this year, whatever your plans, whatever your hopes, whatever your dreams, put them in open hands and offer them to the Lord. Let him do his creative work in and with you to form your life and then to fill it with good things. Now, specifically, we talk about next steps here at Cornerstone. And if you pull out the card that is in your growth guide, you'll see down at the bottom a variety of next steps. They begin with say yes, and then I think the next one is worship. Let me focus on those. This is not automatic. New creation is not automatic. You have to say yes to Jesus. Some of you need to say yes to Jesus perhaps for the first time. For the first time, you're saying, I'm going to surrender my life to you. What does that mean? You're going to surrender to Jesus as Savior, recognizing that what he did on the cross counts for you. You are forgiven because of what Jesus has done. It also means that you are surrendering to his leadership in your life, that he's the boss, that he gets to call the shots, that you're writing a blank check to him, that you're, the answer is yes. So what's the question? So if you were doing that for the first time, I would love to know that because I want to be able to resource you and encourage you in that. So you can use the check-in, however you're doing that, card, online, app, whatever, let us know. The other thing that I would encourage you to do is to get into a daily habit of reading and responding to Scripture. If you're interested in the plan that I was talking about, you will be able to find it at cornerstonenh.org slash read scripture. It's a Bible project resource. Again, links you to the video that we uh, took screenshots from today and a bunch of other great resources. The other thing that I would encourage you to do is to part of the structure that God set out from the very beginning was a weekly structure, and that includes worshiping together weekly. So this is a new year. It's a great time to make that a habit. So you can indicate you're saying yes, indicate worship on the card by circling, by checking in and marking those boxes. Another part of the schedule 
ongoing structure that God has given us is in celebrating communion. So that's how we're going to end today. Uh, it doesn't prescribe a particular schedule. Some churches do it every week. Uh, when Jesus uh, laid this out, according to Paul in 1 Corinthians, he says, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Now, like I said, some churches do it every week. Uh, when Jesus set this out, he was celebrating an annual holiday. I probably want to do it more than once a year, uh, but uh, generally we do it about once a month. But the idea is that on a regular basis, as part of the structure of your life, you will be reminded of Jesus and the gospel. So go ahead and grab your cup and take the bread. Jesus said, this bread is my body, which is broken for you. He was reminding us that the basis on which we enter into a relationship with our Heavenly Father is his sacrifice on the cross, his broken body, broken for us. He said, do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup. This cup is the new covenant in my blood. There's a new way of approaching God. It's through the sacrifice of Jesus. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And then, to kind of pull this all together, the very next verse says this. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. The word announcing there is the same word that is used, sometimes translated preaching. When it's talking about the Lord's death, it's talking about the essence of the gospel. When you take communion, you are acting out the gospel. You are preaching the good news of Jesus that who he is, that he is fully divine, fully human, God in the flesh, what he did, lived a perfect life, and then sacrificed himself on the cross for us. And what does that mean for us? Because he did that, we can approach God, be adopted into his family, be forgiven, and have a new ending to our story. We do this until he comes again. There's going to be a time where he returns, and that was a focus of Christmas Eve. If you were celebrating with us then, and here is the thing that I never noticed before that kind of pulled all of this together. So in the beginning, there's this darkness and formless void. As part of his creation, what God does is he adds structure and he fills it with good things. And as part of that, he takes this chaotic abyss, this, this, this uh, scary, dangerous waters that are all around us, and he pushes them back. And throughout time, even to today, sometimes experience the fear and dread of those waters. I was watching the news 
when the hurricane hit Fort Myers, Cape Coral, where I grew up, places I saw in the news or places that I have been, and you saw that storm surge come in and the waters rise and just wipe everything away. And you've probably seen videos of tsunamis. You've seen floods and you see every once in a while those waters that are pushed out to the edge that are dangerous and chaotic that God is in control of but yet sometimes encroach on our lives. What he did at creation is he pushed them back and he drew a barrier around them. They're still there. They're still wanting to encroach. There's still danger. But God has pushed them back. Now, in new creation, at the end of the book of Revelation, it's describing this new creation. The city of God is coming down out of the skies, out of the heavens. It says there's no more need for light uh, for the for the lights in the sky anymore because his throne provides the light. And then there's this little thing that I've noticed before but never really given much thought to it. At the end, at the beginning of chapter 21, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. And then the very last phrase I almost looked at as a throwaway phrase. I wondered why it was there. Now I think I understand. Do you know what it says next? And the sea was no more. And the sea was no more. Why is there no more sea? Because that chaotic abyss, just like the darkness, has been finally and completely obliterated. Now also there's no more sea. The watery abyss has finally and completely been taken care of. God is in control. And as we proclaim the Lord's death, until he comes again, we are looking forward to that time where there'll be nothing but light and nothing but God's presence. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I thank you again for your word. I thank you for your act of creation, for the goodness and blessings that we experience as a result of it. And we thank you, Lord, for new creation, that you have forgiven us for our past and that you've written a new ending to our story. Lord, I pray for me. I pray for these, my brothers and sisters who are here watching, listening, that you will bring a freshness, a newness, a reboot of our understanding and appreciation of you as this new year continues, that we might be a people who know you better, love you more, and follow you more closely as a result. We thank you for this. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I, I didn't mention earlier, but we did get rid of the tables. We wanted to create more space. and uh, But that doesn't mean that you can't still circle up. You remember when we first started this process, this uh, habit of circling up, it was when we were outside and you were bringing your own chairs and we just kind of circled up and talked. So I would welcome you're doing that. You'll find the Live It Out questions in your growth guide and on the screen. And if you're watching online, take advantage of the ability to chat with one another. And maybe you can have your Live It Out section online. Thank you very much. Have a great week.